0: And from our family, we would also like to thank everybody that's been praying for us. It's been a difficult week, but we do know that the Lord has been ministering to us through His Spirit, through your prayers, and we are so grateful for the love and support that we've received at this time. And uh, we pray that the Lord continue to minister to us as a church during this difficult time. A lot of people um, struggling emotionally and just with different sorrows. So we pray, we, we ask that we continue to pray for each other during this time. And I hope today will be a blessing to you as we study Psalm 27. So we're not doing the Gospel of Luke this morning. We're going through, we have been going through a series of the Gospel of Luke, the mission of Jesus. But today we take a short break from that to look at Psalm 27. And the Lord has really just laid on my heart to be preaching this message to us as a church for such a time as this, uh, many of you are aware that we have not been able to meet for six months as a church, and we have an opportunity this coming Thursday to get together and to see each other and to encourage each other and to fellowship with each other and to sing together and to raise our praises to the Lord together, and we, I believe that this psalm would be an encouragement for all of us to, to focus on what is our one thing. And that is the title of my message this morning, What is Your One Thing? I borrowed this from an article that uh, Ted Tripp wrote, What is Your One Thing? So read with me, To uh, turn with me to Psalm 27. If you don't have your Bibles, we will be displaying the words on the screen, and we'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 14, Psalm 27. Of David. Let's pray before we go into God's word together. Lord, we ask for your help as we come to this passage of scripture this morning. We pray that your spirit would speak to us. He would use these words to help us know that you are indeed a good father. That he would encourage our hearts at this time. Lord, it really has been a trying week a difficult week for many of us. It seems like all of the trials and the struggles have just compounded and compounded and climaxed in this week for for me and for many others. We need you, Lord. We are weak people. We are weak vessels. But we know, Lord, that you are strong and we hide in you today. You are our stronghold, Lord. And we have nothing to be afraid because you are the God of our salvation. So we pray, Lord, as we study these words of King David, and as we remember the struggles that he went through, that we would be encouraged knowing of the wonderful character of our Father. So please teach us and please minister to our hearts and our souls today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Max Licado was a well-known Christian author. He tells of a a traumatic tale which I wanted to begin with this morning. A tale of a chapter in the life of a parakeet named Chippy. It began when the bird's owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. She was almost finished when the phone rang so she turned around to answer it and before she knew it Chippy was gone. In a panic she ripped open the vacuum bag, and there was Chippy, covered in dirt and gasping for air. And she carried him to the bathroom and rinsed him off under the, under the tap. And looking at this dripping mini-mass of poultry, it dawned upon her that Chippy was cold and, and wet. So she reached for the hairdryer. And a few days later, a friend asked Chippy's owner how the little parakeet was recovering. And while she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore, he just sits and stares. (laughs) No kidding, sometimes I think in life we pretty much feel like Chippy, don't we? We just sit and stare. We feel sucked up and we feel washed out and we feel blown away by one struggle or another. And eventually we feel like the song in our hearts is gone. And all we feel like doing is just sitting and staring. Well, I felt like that this week, and I'm sure you can relate at one time or another. And I think many of us on a collective scale, you know, the comfort and the security of our ordinary lives during this coronavirus pandemic has really been sucked up and blown away. COVID-19 hasn't only disrupted our sense of safety, it's also disrupted our Our plans, it's disrupted our our dreams. And our disrupted plans have uh, sparked questions about our future, about when life will regain a sense of normalcy. And further, social distancing has led many to experience disconnection and isolation and and fear and anxieties and, and loneliness and depression. Well, welcome to the club. David would probably say to all of us. I'm referring to King David, the David of ancient Israel, and the legendary hero of the, the Jewish people. Israel bears the, the, the star of David on its flag. And if there was someone who knew both sides of the fence, the sides of good times, and the si- times of power, and the, the times of victory, and then the other side of, of suffering and loneliness and, and pain that would be King David. And King David began his life as a as a poor shepherd's son. He was plucked from under rather strange circumstances into the service of the king. He fought giants. He became best friends with the, the king's son. And we know later on David himself would become king. And he led Israel on an unparalleled time of national expansion and conquest. He accumulated vast riches. He was a very skillful musician. He was a poet as well. However, David was plotted against in a coup by his own son, who was later killed when David's army counter-attacked. So there were years in David's life when he didn't know if he would live to see his children grow up. In the days before he became king, the the reigning monarch pursued him with an army intent on destroying him, intent on killing him. There were years of tremendous unrest that David experienced along with the entire nation of Israel. David faced not just enemies without, but enemies within. Along the way, David realized, even in his own heart, The failures that he experienced in his own character that eventually led him to adultery as as well as murder. And there were times, of course, when his family, including his own wife, scoffed at him and, and ridiculed him. So the question is what kept David from becoming like Chippy, the parakeet? What kept David from perching himself on a A branch somewhere just staring ahead, all sung out. Well, I think Psalm 27 gives us some of the reasons why. And Psalm 27 gives us the answers. And this is a poem that David himself had written. And this poem has two distinct units. From verse 1 to 6, we see this section of great confidence. And then from verse 7 to 14, we see the second section is one of expressed grief. But this first section is one of invitation and the audience is talking about God. The second part is one of appeal and the audience is speaking directly to the Lord. David, remember, who was confident in the first section becomes a little anxious again, a little fearful in verse 7. And anyone who has struggled with fear or anxieties knows that peace doesn't last. It eventually goes away and you can gain some strength maybe in the beginning through the through the front door, but then fear climbs back through the window, doesn't it? So that David here directs our focus to the Lord and today I want to focus this morning on this first section where David is speaking about the Lord. And these words from David have been inspired by God Himself. So these are speaking directly to us this morning. And Remember, we are the audience here. And if we are going to find this peace that passes all understanding in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our difficulties, we need to be reminded of the character of God. So my first point this morning is, seek the Lord in time of fear. Seek the Lord in time of fear. And we see that from verse 1 to verse 13. If you will read with me, sorry, verse 1 to 3, if you will read with me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh... My adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. I think to appreciate what David is saying here, we need to remember some of the context. We need to remember who he was. And First and foremost, David was a mighty warrior. He was a mighty warrior. As a teenager, he had gone one-on-one with the fearful giant Goliath, and he had won. And Before that, he had even defended his father's flock by killing a bear with his bare hand and a lion on top of that. And David always had with him an army of tough, seasoned warriors that had defeated all the enemy nations that they had come up against. It would have been easy for David to boast in his own strength in the middle of his mighty warriors. But notice in verse 1 instead, David affirms that it is the Lord who is his defense. He says in verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Notice that word stronghold. That word stronghold comes from the, the Hebrew word uh, ma, ma'uz, ma'uz. I'm probably saying that wrong. But this is what it means it means a fortified place. Figuratively, a defense, a fortress, a, a rock, or strength. And that's what David is talking about here. And I read an illustration of this um, this week that I want to share with you about some pictures, two pictures that are hanging up in an art gallery in Florence. Two paintings and they're very similar. Both paintings depict a a scene of a storm at sea. Well the first painting has these wild waves and has fierce lightning that is flashing across the sky and in the raging waters the face of a despairing, drowning man can be seen just above the the surface. That's the first painting. And then in the second painting, there's a similar wild storm with lightning flashing across the sky. But in the middle of the water is a huge rock and the waves are crashing against this rock. But if you look carefully at this painting, you'll see tucked in the back of the rock, hidden in a small little crevice, a little dove A little dove sitting safely on her nest, protected from the storm. And that picture is the rock that David is talking about. David says to his audience, he says to you and to me, that that rock is God, where we will find our protection, where we will find our strength. God is our strength. When the bottom drops out of our life, the Lord will protect us. The Lord will keep us. I think for most of us, the bottom is, is dropping out very fast. It is approaching very fast, if not already. And the coronavirus has affected every part of our lives. The economy has crashed, which has affected many of our jobs and our, and our livelihoods. All transport has been shut down to different countries. I wasn't even able to visit or go to my mom's funeral this week because of that. Financial security has gone out the room just in a brief moment with many people. People are struggling with fears, they're struggling with anxieties, and they're struggling with wondering about the unknown. And how do we cope? How do we cope? And David presents us here with a very singular vision. He's got one track and he's got a one-step plan on how we are to deal with these dangerous uncertainties that we face. And it's the vision here that he gives us in in verse 4. My second point is that we are to focus on the Lord in times of fear. We see in verse 4, David says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Verse 5, For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Look at verse 4 there. If you were writing the psalm, we probably would have written it very differently. Maybe we would have said something like this. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek. Get me out of here. That's probably what we would have said. We'll be crying for deliverance, wouldn't we? Of course, David is crying for deliverance. But, but notice here, this is crucial. David realizes that the only deliverance that matters comes from drawing close to the Lord, being in His presence, being caught up with the beauty of our God. Being there in the temple or um, the tabernacle as it's referred to here, where God's presence is, was vitally important for, for David. David says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty and to inquire in his temple. That is an amazing statement. That is an incredible statement. And it's made even more powerful when you realize who it's been written by. David, a man under attack. But notice his one thing here that he talks about is not safety. His one thing here isn't Even victory or even revenge or even vindication. His one thing here isn't power or or control or retribution. Even though he's going through this personal stress and trial. The one thing, the one thing that David wishes for is to be in God's house. Taking in the beauty of the Lord. This desire was designed to be the, the central, motivating desire of every human being ever created. And you've often heard people say that they have this void in their heart or this hole. And that's because they are without the Lord. This hole we have in our hearts is a heart-shaped hole that can only be filled by by God Himself. And that's what David is expressing here. He wants to be in the presence of Of the Lord. This obviously you may argue is a statement that any spiritual or devout person would would argue. But the question here I think we all need to ask ourselves is what is our one thing? What is your one thing? What's the one thing that your heart craves? What's the one thing that would change your life? And what's the one thing that you look to for satisfaction or contentment or peace? What's the one thing that you mourn that you've had to live without? What's the one thing that fills your daydreams and commands your, your prayers, your meditations? What is your one thing? The spiritual reality for many of us is that that one thing is not the Lord. And the danger in that reality is this. That one thing that is in your heart, that is controlling your heart, whatever controls you will exercise influence over you, isn't it? It will exercise influence over your words. It will exercise influence over your, your choices, Will exercise influence over your actions. And your one thing will become the one thing that shapes and directs your responses to the situations and the relationships of your daily life. And if the Lord isn't your one thing, the thing that is your one thing becomes your functional Lord, it becomes your idol that you end up worshipping, that you end up loving. And here's what you say to yourself when something is your one thing. Let me put this up on the screen so you can read it with me. Life only has meaning and I only have worth if I have in my life. You add in the blank there. What is the one thing that has meaning and that adds worth to your life? You put that in. And the problem is that that one thing can go on forever, isn't it? I mean, that catalog is endless. And all of us in every situation, in every relationship of every day, there's a, there's a one-thing war that's being fought in the, in the turf of our hearts. And you, are, and you and I are only safe when the Lord really is this one thing that commands our hearts and controls our actions. And yet there are many things that compete with him to be that one thing. What is the one thing that your heart craves? And where are you looking for meaning and worth? And what's the beauty that you wish you had in your life? What's the one thing that you desire? Well, Bible commentator uh, Matthew Henry, he wrote this following quote which I have for you on a slide. He said, The harmony of all God's attributes is the beauty of his nature. The harmony of all God's attributes is the beauty of his nature. Do you love that? Do you desire that? Do you crave for that? Well, we see in our passage here, David delighted in that. David wanted to be caught up with the beauty of God's person. He wanted to be captivated by the Lord. David wasn't just praying for an escape from his troubles. He wasn't just wanting to be relieved. He wanted to experience God himself on a greater level. Even in his times of joy and in his times of trouble, this was his one thing that he wanted. And he wanted his fear to drive him to a a deeper experience of the Lord himself. He didn't just want it to be delivered. He wanted these trials to bring him to the foot of the cross. Have you ever been motivated by the beauty of the Lord? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Maybe you've gone through a personal loss. Maybe a loved one has died. Have you ever prayed that the Lord would use your sorrow to bring him closer to you? Maybe you've lost your job. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, use my bankruptcy to bring me closer to you. Well, David did. That's what David's heart was craving. That was David's one thing that he wanted. And he knew all of these circumstances were temporary. But he knew that God was eternal. And that God was sovereign. And that he was using these circumstances to bring him closer to his God. This is what He craved. This is what He loved. This is what He desired. Let me just say, folks, God knows everything that is going on at this point in time. He is sovereign. He is allowing these circumstances, and He's even orchestrated these circumstances so that we would be drawn closer to Him, so that we would trust Him more, that we would depend upon Him more, that we would realize that these other things that are on the throne of our hearts are temporary and foolish and need to be repented of because only god deserves the glory that and praise that we can offer to him my third point this morning is we need to worship the lord not just on our own but we need to worship the lord with his church if we are to overcome fear we need the church Verse 6 tells us, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And David was by faith so sure of a glorious victory over his enemies that he planned in his heart what he would do when his enemies were defeated. Notice here he says in verse 6 that he would offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And he would sing and make melody to the Lord. But notice here in this verse that the place for which he longed for in this conflict was the temple or the tabernacle. He does not speak of, of jubilations to be offered in his palace. He had a magnificent palace. He doesn't speak of feastings and, and banqueting in these halls, but he talks about the temple. He talks about the temple, the place where he would offer up his sacrifices of joy. And some may argue at this point and say, well, David could have called on God anywhere. He was, he was in exile for many years, and he wasn't confined to a, to a tabernacle or, or a temple. And I think there's some truth in that argument. David could have offered praise to God privately on his own. We know that the scripture tells us God is to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. God is not bound by a a building or four walls. But I think what David is emphasizing here is the joy of corporate worship. We know David worshipped God privately. The Psalms tell us that. But the Psalms are telling us today also that David longed for corporate worship. Just in these few verses that we've read here, David specifically refers to the house of the Lord. And he's using as many nouns as he can in this passage in the Hebrew language to describe the the house of the Lord. He talks about that in verse 4. And and then he talks about the temple. And then in verse 4 he talks about... His shelter or his dwelling. And then in verse 5, in verse 6, he talks about the tabernacle. All different nouns describing the same thing the house of the Lord, where he longed to worship, where he wanted to worship. And David wished he could live in the tabernacle itself, where he would be surrounded by the praises of God going forth to his Lord where he would be in the presence and the beauty of God. He wasn't putting value in the building itself or in the tent, in this case, the tabernacle. David is putting value on corporate worship. And these sacrifices of joy would have had to have included shouts of of other people from everywhere else. And there were we know there were sounds of trumpets that were used in the worship of the Lord. There were other instruments used in the worship of the Lord. People coming together to make melody to the Lord. And David longed to worship with the congregation. And David's personal or private worship was was not sufficient for his soul at this point. He wanted to offer his sacrifices of joys with other worshippers of Yahweh. He needed the encouragement. And I want to finish with this very important application for us as a church. Now this Thursday, we have the opportunity as a church to come together. It's not on the Lord's Day, but it is an opportunity, a space, a place where we can get together. And this will be the first time in six months that we've been able to do this. You already know where we're meeting, I hope, at the TEC compound in, in Al-Mushrif on Ireland. And we have the opportunity as a, as a body to come together and offer our sacrifices of joy together. Together. But I'm sure there are some of you who have some questions. And some of you may be asking why go back to normal church when I can just click on a, on a number of online services in the convenience of my own home? I'm sure that during this lockdown, there have been people who have argued or been tempted to think that, that church online is, is even superior to normal church. After all, I don't even need to get out of bed. I don't need to change my pajamas. I don't need to brush my teeth. It's so much more available and so much more convenient. Why do we even need to Go back physically. Well, there are many difficulties that we have to overcome in order to do this. And people may use these arguments as an excuse. You know, we're not meeting at the zoo anymore. Why, why should I even come? It's too far away. I have to go all the way on island. Or why should we gather it's only for an hour that's not that's not enough what use is that or I have to download the, the Al Hussein app and let the government know where I am all the time I don't want to do that I have to wear a mask it's going to be so different and it's going to be so restricted and and even our physical presence is a, a, a vulnerability why should we even meet in person well I think some of those questions are valid But before we make our decisions, we need to reflect on the importance of gathering. And that's why I'm preaching this psalm to us, to me, to all of us. To remind us how important it is that we come together. And this week I was reading a book by David Gunderson called, What If I Don't Feel Like Going to Church? And he gave a number of reasons which I'm going to share with you. The first reason he gives is that we are embodied creatures. He argues that God made Adam from earth soil and Eve from Adam's side and humanity from their union. That makes sense. We embodied souls. We are physical souls. We're male and female in his image. We're not just these ethereal beings made to float in a, in a virtual space. We're not pixels and, and screen names and, and headshots on Zoom or, or FaceTime. We're physical human beings. We're designed to see and to, and to hear and to, to taste and to touch and to feel our way through the, the physical world that God has made. And we've seen the, the power of the online world in recent months but we've also felt its limitations haven't we you know think about a married couple you know a married loving couple enjoys being separated from their, their spouse suppose you go on a uh, you have to go overseas for work for a while you know that is not ideal I mean you can talk to each other on the phone you can zoom each other you can see each other but you're still separated aren't you and if that is not enough for a for a physical loving couple it's not sufficient for a loving church The church is a body we are one body And like any healthy body we shouldn't want to stay isolated from each other And the second point he gives is that we're also a spiritual family at the same point at the same time In the church God is our adoptive father So we are spiritual brothers and sisters spiritual siblings we're of God's household we are told in 1st Timothy chapter 3 and with our different ages and genders Paul even calls us fathers and mothers and and sisters and brothers sons and daughters but families aren't meant to be separated I I grew up in a in a home just where my family was separated I had to go one weekend to my father one weekend to My mother, and a lot of the times my sister, I was separated from her. I never enjoyed that at all. And I think the same is true for the church. Healthy families live together. They laugh together. They cry together. And they help each other. It's been such a joy to feel the the warmth of the church during our times of Difficulty, especially this week. And people have come to visit. And people have said, Enough with these rules. And they've given me hugs. And it's been wonderful. It's been great. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to be a healthy church, a church that is growing together, helping each other, edifying each other, coming alongside each other. Parents with grown children love when their adult children get together and And those parents are only fully satisfied when when everybody's together. I to love coming together as a family over Christmas. Everybody there. Not just the food, but the fellowship, isn't it? I mean, you can get food at McDonald's and and eat your face full, but it's not the same as when you gather together as a family and enjoy each other's company. We need to be faithful during the season to reach out to our brothers and our sisters who are alone who are isolated, and even those who can't join us safely. But all who are able should seek together for our life-giving family reunions. I've run out of time. I have ten points here, (laughs) and I've only covered two. Maybe this week I'll send out this article to all of you to read it for yourselves. And to be convinced. But I hope you are convinced even from the words that David is speaking to us this morning. And I hope that you'll join us. You know, our gatherings are ultimately a taste of what <clears throat> heaven is about. And the Bible's vision of heaven doesn't, doesn't look like a quarantine or or a live stream or a Zoom call. <clears throat> heaven is a face-to-face encounter. With the risen Christ, with our brothers and sisters, worshiping from all nations, from all tribes, from all tongues, from all races, worshiping together in union with the angels. In the life to come, we won't be separated. Some people think we're going to live in a, in a mansion all on our own without anybody around. I don't think that's what heaven is like. We're going to be together. We're going to be living and working and and loving and and serving together in a new world where, where righteousness reigns. Where the King of Kings dwells. And I hope that you will gather with us. And I hope that you will offer church sacrifices of joy. I hope that you will come and sing with us praises unto the Lord. The Lord who is our rock who is our strength and who is our salvation. The truth is, folks, none of us, none of us are good enough for ourselves. None of us are good enough to even save ourselves. So join us. And join us and help us encourage each other in these troubled times to seek the Lord by affirming our faith in Him alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for David. Thank you, Lord, for his life. We know he was a man after your own heart. But we know he was also a man who struggled and had his own flaws and failings. We know, Lord, that he wasn't perfect. But we know the God that he worshipped was. And thank you that he has recorded these words that we may learn from that have been inspired by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are the stronghold that we can run to. And we have nobody to fear. And we have nothing to fear. And even though the world may be enclosing around us, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to trust you. In the middle of these fears, that we would look to you. That we would not trust the world that we would not trust the flesh, that we would not trust ourselves, but that we would trust you and you alone. Lord, the world is what makes us stumble and fall. And the problem is we put our faith in the world, we put our faith in our bank accounts, we put our faith in our education, we put our faith in our own abilities. And when that crumbles and falls, Lord, we, we are in trouble. So Lord, we pray that our one thing that David mentions here would be true for us this week. That we would want to seek after you. That we would want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives. That we would want to gaze upon your beauty. That we would want you in our lives. Lord, please forgive us where we have settled for second best. And if anything, Lord, this coronavirus has taught us that second best is not sufficient, that we are not sufficient, but that Christ is. So, Lord, we pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning and help us, Lord, to apply this text to our lives as we prepare our hearts to join and meet together again this Thursday. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your dear son, Jesus, to save us from ourselves. We look forward to being in heaven one day where there is no more pain, where there is no more tears. Worshipping you in perfect harmony, in perfect unity together as we should. But Lord, may our time on earth here, and especially in the church, be a little taste of what heaven is of what we have to look forward to one day. And I ask this prayer in the name of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.